You're locked into Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast with your hosts, EZD, Derek Jaws, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaterski, Bold Claim, Ben Yelich, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, and Austin Kelm, the Statman. Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast is part of the BICBP radio network. Check us out online, www.bicbp-radio.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast, episode 126. Hats, Tats, and Stats is a championship caliber pro sports podcast in Buffalo, New York. I am EZD. I am riding solo today to talk a little sports with you guys. Uh, there's a lot going on. The draft just hit. We covered that a little bit with the boys uh, from the Dirty Alf, which was a lot of fun. Again, a shout out to those guys for hanging out and holding down the fort while I was finishing my coaching season, and uh, Big Diesel's still in coaching his coaching season. Um, Statman is doing Dadman stuff, and uh, T Wave is got a new job and working crazy hours. And uh, we're trying to we're trying to get him back on the ball diamond this summer, so we're going to let him take the time that he needs to do that. So uh, that being said, we're looking to bring some new people into the fold to help out a little bit here and there, and um, you know, kind of keep this fresh and keep it moving forward because I love doing this. I love talking to you guys. And uh, so if at at any point, if any of you want to be on the show, uh, talk about sport, pro sports in any capacity, reach out. You can find us on social media at HTS underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter or Hats, Tats and Stats podcast on Facebook. You can find us, tell your friends, like, follow, share, subscribe, that whole thing. I usually do that shtick at the end. I'm putting it at the front to make sure you hear it. Um, Oh, man, what a time, what a time, what a time. It is the, you know, we're starting off the baseball season. The baseball season is still very young. The Yankees are at the bottom of the East, but would be at the top of like four other divisions in the game, uh, which is really funny to me. But, um, you know, we got new rules in the game. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, The NFL schedule just dropped for all the teams in the league. And I can tell you, I, for one, am not a fan of the Bills schedule. And really, it's for completely selfish reasons. Uh, and it's really mostly that I feel bad for my friends because I, before the, the schedule came out, before anything happened, we planned a bachelor weekend in late September, early October to Cooperstown, the home of baseball to, you know, have a little fun, go out, play some golf and do dude shit. And, uh, yeah, turns out the bills are playing the dolphins at home that weekend. And, you know, we are, uh, it's, it's one of those things that. I feel bad because, you know, uh, T-Wave, one of my two best men, is a season ticket holder, and that's a big one. Uh, With the London game, we're missing a home game there. And then the night of my wedding is the Patriots home game in December, uh, which, again, not only only is that a pain in the ass because, you know, there's people invited to the wedding who are season ticket holders and so on and so forth, but also, and furthermore, uh, our wedding is out in the general vicinity of the <clears throat> of the stadium, so we may have some people getting in or having some issues with stadium traffic when trying to get to our wedding uh, that evening. So the game is at one on that day, and our wedding, I believe, is starting at like four thirty. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, something we're going to have to warn people about, give people a heads up on, just to be safe and. Yeah, it's made hotels kind of a pain in the ass and everything else, but you know, it, it's interesting. Five games, five one o'clock games. I love one o'clock games, but I also love primetime games. And here the Bills are with this whole weird mix of four twenty-five games this year, which means you know you got a whole day to hang out, you know, watch Red Zone, do whatever, and then you know, at least you're not waiting until Sunday night or Monday. But like, I'd rather wait till Monday, but then I don't have to worry about like 
being a little hungover the next day at work, it's, it's tough. It is a tough and interesting thing. Um, but yeah, so my personal gripe with the bill schedule is, (laughs) is exactly that it is personal. Um, it is a tough schedule. It is not easy by any means. And, uh, I got it pulled up here. So let's go through it real quick. Starting off on Monday Night Football with the Jets, obviously the new look Jets with A.A. Ron Rodgers coming in, uh, hosting Buffalo in New Jersey, and you know they want to see <clears throat> they want to see the new look Jets against the perennial, and I can call them that right now, the perennial AFC East champs, back to back back years, I believe. Yeah, that's how that sounds right. Um, you know, and they want to they want to put Rodgers to the test right away with that young, up and coming, talented Jets team, which will be interesting to see. That'll be a fun benchmark for both teams. Then the Bills uh, host of the Raiders for the home opener at one o'clock on the seventeenth. That'll be interesting. A lot of new things going on with the Raiders, uh, and yet they're still kind of the Raiders. A lot of changes with the Commanders. I'm sorry, they're the Washington Football Team, and I will not call them anything else going forward. Uh, the Football Team hosts the Bills on the twenty fourth at one o'clock. And it really, the Bills at that point, worst case, should be two and one, right? Real at at absolute worst, should be two and one. I really do believe that um, you know Rodgers didn't overly look like himself last year. Now was he was he checked out of everything in Green Bay? He is getting older. We do know that uh, you know, very few things withstand the sands of time. And if AA Raj kind of slows down, you know, slowed down a little bit, or is getting you know, at some point, he it's going to be that he hit a point where he fall off the edge, right? I mean, we saw it with Manning. We saw it with Brady. At some point, the body just stops doing it at that level. And if he's that guy, the Bills are very easily 3-0. The Bills may be 3-0 regardless. Um, You know, primetime Josh, hopefully a new look to this offense, a lot of new weapons on this offense, and that defense, again, under McDermott calling the shots. Who knows? I'm saying Bills 3-0 going into the Dolphins. Uh, here, at Buffalo, here in Buffalo at 1 o'clock on October 1st, That'll be fun. Uh, I do not believe the Dolphins are a team to be reckoned with while Tua is under center, and it looks like they are, you know, at least kind of rolling with him in that in that instance. So we'll uh, we'll see what that looks like. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm really hopeful that the Bills start off four and zero, bringing the Jaguars, and I, I think the Jags looked good. I think they get figured out a little bit, and I think that little bit of a late push they had last year is a little bit more of a fluke. And then the Bills go to, or the Bills then welcome the Giants at 8.20 on the 15th. Uh, I'm not doing math well. That's probably a Sunday night. Yeah, that's a Sunday night. Uh, And that'll be fun, you know, welcoming Dable back. And, you know, I mean, Dable and and McDermott know each other very well. That'll be fun. Um, Bills visiting the Patriots in October, which means no snow game there, at least between the two. The Bucks should be easy. The Bills-Bengals game is going to be fun. Uh, hopefully the Bills show up more than they did in the in the four and a th- four and two thirds quarters they played against the Bengals last year. Um, yeah, a little little vengeance on the mind there. You know, got a that's a big one for me. That's the first like, you know, that that, that early Dolphins game, that early that early Dolphins early Jets games are big. Um, you know, but that that Bengals game is kind of kind of got a circle on the calendar on October fifth there because. The Bills got to come out and at least show they can hang with that team, or it is going to be a conversation where it's now the Bengals and the Chiefs, and then the Bills. Uh, and if you drop the two divisional games prior to that to the to the 
to the next two, uh, we're having a completely different conversation. It's panic mode, and your boy is probably hitting the bottle every Sunday way too hard to get through Bill season. Then we welcome in the uh, Broncos here to Orchard Park on the November 13th at 8.15. Um, that'll be a fun one again. I mean, the Broncos, Russell Wilson, is Russell Wilson that good, or is Russell Wilson, or sorry, was was Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson good? We don't know. Uh, obviously, the last couple of years in Seattle weren't great. Last year in Denver wasn't great. A lot of weird things coming out, but now we're trying to bring in Sean Payton and trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, we're going to find out exactly who Russ is, because if Russ, if Russ starts to cook, we look at Sean Payton and say, boy." If not, we look at Sean Payton and say, who are you getting next year, bud? Um, then we roll back against the Jets. and I mean, this is murderer's row here. So Bengals depending upon what the Broncos look like. Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, and then we get a break with the Pats, and then we got the Dolphins to finish out the season. That is a murderer's row down the stretch. That is one of those ones that if you come out of that riding high, you look at the rest of the league and say, I don't think anyone can beat me. If you come out of that looking like you're beat up, you may be missing the playoffs. That's going to be a tough, tough run for the Bills. And, uh, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what we, you know, where we get because we obviously know every year teams that were at the top last year fall off. Teams that look like they could have been contenders start to trip uh, and start to look like can, you know pretenders. And there's always a dark horse or two in there that looks like, hey, maybe this team is legit. Um, if I were to, to if I were to look through the league this year, uh, I think I think the Bills keep that. I, I I know the Chiefs keep that. The Bengals keep that. I'm intrigued to see the Ravens Steelers kind of sort themselves out this year and where that lands. Lamar getting that contract that he finally uh, finally was waiting on. The Steelers younger, Kenny you know Kenny Pickett getting another uh, getting a full year under his belt. Uh, can the Titans rebound or are the Jags going to be the new team to beat there? And the Colts, I don't know. The Texans they both had good drafts. We'll see. I I think the Colts might be your uh, your surprise team, but I, <laughs> they're the Colts until they're not. Um, you know, I think the Jets finish above the Patriots this year. Uh, I think the quarterback issues that they had last year don't completely go away because I don't think the aged wonder Aaron Rodgers does enough peyote to get away with it this year. Uh, I think the I think the Raiders may fall off because I don't know that they've done enough to stay fun in the league. And the Broncos, I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't believe in Russ. I don't. I think the a- NFC East is still a crapshoot with those top three. Um, the Niners is going to be fun. The Seahawks are going to be fun. The Rams are going to suck. The Cardinals are going to suck. Uh, I think it's the Lions division in the North. The Packers are going to finish dead last. The Bears are going to be fighting them for that. And then, you know, the Lions and the Vikings are going to go toe to toe, but I think it's the Lions year. I think it's the Lions year. I'm calling the Lions in, in the North. And then in the South, it is a whole lot of who cares. Um, it's one of those unfortunate situations where someone has to make the playoffs. It's probably going to be the Panthers. It'll honestly probably be the Panthers, but not because they deserve it. It'll be more based on the uh, the fact that they're, you know nobody else is good enough to do it. So uh, there's your way too early divisional picks from EZD for no reason. Didn't plan on doing that, but here we are. And now that that's out of the way, let's uh, we're going to dive into some baseball. It is baseball season full swing here. Like I said, the uh, 
Yankees are bottom feeding the AL East, which is hilarious because I think I forget what, what other division if they were in, but if they were in another division, they'd be leading by like seven games. It was just really funny. But uh, here nor there. Uh, the big thing here for me is the MLB rule changes this year, and that's what I wanted to talk about. There was a lot of talk about this going into the season. Um, you know, one of the one of the big ones being the shift, right? So they they've been talking about this for a while now, um, and just just the idea of banning the shift, and the entire idea behind banning the shift is to make to open more field, right? So there were so many guys who were just so pull happy, and because they're so strong, so fast. That they can just pull anything. You know, you, you talk about coaching young kids and even high school, college guys. You, you know, use the whole field, use the whole field, use the whole field. And these dudes get to the show, and they're just so powerful, and they're so fast that it doesn't matter that the dude's throwing 95 to 103. They can stand in there and just yank everything. So what teams would do is they would load up one side of the field, and you would see oftentimes, I mean, David Ortiz did it once, once, maybe twice in his career, bunted for a double because all he did was just, Put the ball fair on the ground with a bunt, and the closest person to it was the guy playing short, or the third baseman, who was standing in deep up the middle at second base-ish. And the only time that the, the shift would ever change is if there were runners on base. Because, you know, if there's a guy in second, obviously you're, you have to have somebody near third to cover on a steal. But now that like they, they've made it so you need so many guys on so many... Different, like, uh, like on one side of the second base and on the other. Um, or maybe it's more so the fact that you can only have so many guys on one side or, you know, there's a minimum you have to have on one side of the bag. So you can shift a little bit, but it's not, I have a first baseman playing on the grass on the line. I have a second baseman in shallow right field. I have the shortstop playing, like, double play depth second base. And my third baseman basically over the top of the bag with all three outfielders on the line in right field and in center and saying, here are seven dudes on this side of the field and I'm going to pitch you inside and let you pull it because there's more dudes than there is grass. And the MLB said, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, I like it. And listen, it's one of those things that you could say, oh, learn to hit the other way, learn to hit the other way, learn to hit the other way. It wasn't going to happen, right? It wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to sit there and say, if teams are shifting, they're going to do the intelligent thing and pitch to the shift, or at least they should. You know, we we know this is your strength. We're going to pitch to your strength, but we're going to put enough dudes in the way of your strength that it benefits us. And they were no, it was never going to be an adjustment. There was never going to be a point where anyone was going to say, you know what, you're right, let's change it. Uh, let's start pushing the ball. Let's go the other way. And, you know, again, Dave Ortiz did it a couple times where he punched the bunt down and got a double there were a couple times where you know a guy hit a double and he got as he was getting to second he realized the ball was coming in but there was nobody at third so he took off to third and got a triple out of it and like those are the things that were beating the shift but they were rare so much so that they like it was a thing that you'd see it on sports center for a month if it happened so they they banned the shift and um I don't know that anybody has noticed that. This is probably the rule I've heard the least amount of talk about. So it can't be that noticeable. It can't be that bad. Um, The other one is, the other big one uh, is the bigger bases, right? So um, they expanded the bases from 15 inches to 18 inches. And it should, what the idea was that it was going to reduce injuries around the base, so, you know, guy sliding into a base gives him three more inches 
left to right and north and south on the base to to not make contact with the guy where you know just giving people more room to operate around the bag uh, to prevent injuries and you know they really that's the, that's just what they wanted to do is just make it you know make it safer uh, they also wanted to increase stolen base attempts by making it three inches easier. Well, technically, okay, so six inches, so a half a foot, you're decreasing the distance, essentially. You would think, right? Yeah, because where the center of the base probably doesn't change. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it really, it didn't, so when they tested this in the, in the miners, um, it didn't create much of a huge change. But the also, like, essentially... That coupled with the pickoff, the new pickoff rule, um, you know, and th- this is going to be interesting when they when this gets into college too, uh, which we'll get into another part of this. But you know, there's they wanted more action on the base pass. They wanted more small ball. They wanted guys trying to steal bases. They wanted more, just more of the chess match that is baseball. Uh, so they made a new pickoff rule, which you know, pickoffs are technically considered a disengagement, which basically means the the pitcher stepped off the mound. Um, basically, and it, so it's any time the pitcher steps off for a pickoff, a fake off, a fake pickoff, steps off the rubber, or calls timeout. Um, so pitchers are allowed two per plate appearance without a penalty, and so it resets if the base runner advances. So you can step off twice without penalty. And if the base runner then steals, you can step off twice more. The th- after the third step off, the pitcher will be charged with a balk unless one offensive player advances or an out is made on the ensuing play. So basically, you can step off twice. After the second attempt to pick off, you better have the dude out or it's a balk. So it's not an automatic, right? So you can definitely pick the guy off. But if you don't get him, which pickoffs are low percentage, it's a buck and he gets the next base. So that one's really, really interesting. Um, and, and and again, so they're trying to increase the action on the base path. And so far, uh, from what I've seen, it it's worked. Stolen bases are up. Stolen bases attempts are up. Um, you know, it, it's making the game, uh, it's making the action on the base paths more. It's not just... Yeah, analytics have told us from the time that analytics were, you know, advanced analytics, I should say, that, you know, a strikeout and a ground out and a flyout are basically the same. They don't matter at all. Um, you know, you're actually more, it's it's more beneficial to the team to strike out. Stolen bases aren't worth the risk that moving up, uh, moving up a steal, you know, the effect that it has of moving into scoring position versus the wasted pitch, which is, you know, oftentimes a strike. Um, you know, what it takes away from the ability for the batter to do doesn't equal the advantage of moving into scoring position in that, in that spot. So that we were playing this brand of baseball that was just station to station, get on first and hit a bomb, get on first, hit a bomb, get uh, just, just get, just try to hit bombs until and hopefully the ones that fall, you get on first, uh, first or second. If you're not, it's not a bomb, you get on first or second. But stealing bases wasn't worth it. Now we're seeing the attempts go higher because the stolen, like, 
you know, with these guys throwing harder, these pitchers throwing harder, the catchers throwing harder, the art of the exchange being better, you know, it, guys weren't trying to steal as much because it wasn't worth the risk to be out. Now they're getting, they're, they're safe a little bit more often, so the attempts are up. You know, you, you don't have to worry as much about pickoffs because you only get two. So as long as you don't catch you leaning, you're fine because after the second one, you pretty much can get off as far as you want while still safely being able to get back because, again, if you don't, you're uh, you're gonna be okay, you know, because you you know you get back, Bach, you get the bag anyway. Uh, so these two, the bigger bases and the pickoff moves, have definitely seen a huge increase here. The one that I love, uh, and I know I'm I'm in the minority on this one. This is the pitch clock rule. I love the pitch clock rule. I you know every other sport has a has a clock. No, baseball does not have a game clock which I don't want a game clock. I don't want to say drop dead two hour game time. I think that's stupid. I don't like it. I don't want it. The pitch clock is great. And here's why. Um, If you've ever coached a game where somebody has what I call a human rain delay on their team, you know what I'm talking about. It's the dude that, all right, he takes his warm-ups, takes his time getting out there. He takes his time between every pitch. And, you know, now there's a, I think it's like two minutes and 30 seconds from, you know, from the third out to the first pitch of the next inning, get in there, get out there, get warmed up and go. And then we're seeing this in college a little bit too. Um, so the pitchers have 15 seconds. It's 20 in college. They have 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty and 20 with a runner on. Um, hitters need to be in the box with eight seconds on the pitch clock. So, and there's a pitch clock that can be seen. So the pitcher gets the ball back. He has from the time the ball hits his glove, as long as the game is in play, he has 15 seconds to deliver the pitch. The batter has to be in the box ready to hit with eight seconds left. If the pitcher doesn't throw within 15 or 20 seconds, if there's runners on, it's a ball. If the hitter is not in the box ready to hit with eight seconds left, it's an automatic strike, right? So, if the pitcher's not started the motion to deliver a pitch before the expiration of the clock, he'll be charged with the ball. If the batter delays entering the box, he'll be he'll be called charged a strike. Uh, the stadiums have two clocks located behind home plate on either side of the umpire, while two more will be required will be required in the outfield on either side of the batter's eye. Um, spring training, who cares? So basically, they're trying to knock down the average run time of a nine inning game. Uh, in 2022, it was three hours and four minutes, um, which was six minutes faster than the all-time high in 2021. But the game's just beginning slower and slower. And what we do is, like, you see these guys, like, they get the ball back, they walk around the mound, they take their glove off under their arm, they rub the ball up, they adjust their hat, they grab their nuts, they, you know, they, they scratch their chest, they put the ball in their glove, they put the glove on their hand, then they get on the rubber, but they stop and take a deep breath, and they get on the rubber, then they do their little shimmy, they breathe, they take another deep breath, they look in, they get the sign. Then they rock and wiggle and wiggle and wiggle and wiggle and lift and drop and down and up. And, and some of these guys got ridiculous with this stuff. That you know, there, There'd be times it would take, you'd have a 10-pitch inning take 15 minutes because of this, and it was ridiculous. And the MLB is sitting there like, you know what? We have to cater a little bit to the to this microwave generation. You know, these the, we're not we're not getting fans. We're losing fans because who wants to watch a game that starts at seven thirty 
And all of a sudden, it's 10.30 or later by the time it's getting done. People have to work in the morning, and there's 162 games in a season. How many times are you staying up that late? You know, and, and you know they, they want people out and drinking and having food and doing the stuff we do for football games and everything else. They want it all to matter. Um, you know, and what we've seen so far is it's down around two and a half hours, which is closer to your average runtime of other sports. And now, you know, okay, a one o'clock football game gets done around four, four fifteen, depending upon the day, but depending upon the game. But at the same token, football feels like there's more action. Now, when you put it on paper, there's not, but it feels like there is where baseball you know, it can be a grind. If you have a pitcher who's just, you know, who who's carving, but he's taking his time, it can be slow. You know, there were points where people in games would feel like, oh, I can get up and go get a beer and not really miss anything. And then, oh, you know what? It's time for me to leave because I have stuff to do. And by the time I get to my car, I can turn this on on the radio or I might even be able to catch the end of the game at home. And it kind of made people like, why am I even bothering to go? Like, I can have it on the background and be at the cover of my house and not spending money. And, you know, they see that concession sales are up and everything else. And it's it's been interesting. But the thing that I like about it, and I saw this a little bit in college, like I said, so we have a 20-second pitch clock in college. And the, the hitter's clock is from the time the pitcher is on the rubber and ready to and, and, and looking in, the batter has eight seconds to be in the box and looking up, which is how they, which is how they did in college. And apparently I believe by 2026, uh, NCAA is going to require an actual visual pitch clock so people can see it. Uh, right now it's just umpires are enforcing it. Some guys have stopwatches. Some guys have these little belt timers, whatever it is. Um, but the, it's the cat and mouse game, you know, so you have a guy who throws his pitch, gets the ball back and he's on the rubber looking in for a sign again, that batter's got eight seconds to get his sign from a third base coach, get in and get like and and look up to be ready to hit. And that's not a whole lot of time. At the same time, it's more time than you think. You know, there we had guys and you you see guys, there's a couple guys in the in the show right now who are experts at at just toying with the with the pitch clock. And, you know, they'll sit there and it's I forget what it was. Uh, one of my favorite ones was bases loaded, or uh, sorry, runner on first, two outs, full count. The pitcher had already stepped off twice. So we already covered that rule, right? We already covered the the, the pickoff rule. Guy already, guy stepped off twice, and all of a sudden, you know, bases loaded, or uh, runner on first, two outs, full count. On the pitch, you're going, right? You're you're taking off because it's either, ba- it's either ball in play, strike three, ball four. Either way, you're moving, right? And... The pitcher held for the till the last possible second and picked off and picked the dude off. It was great. It was awesome. You know, the gamesmanship behind it, the yeah, guys getting the getting it back, getting ready, and then, you know, just rock and throw, rock and throw, rock and throw. And the pitcher, like in the batter, just not being comfortable, not being ready. Like as soon as he's in the box, the pitcher's ready to go. Like, you know, and then there's guys who, you know, have that internal clock. I, you know, we had a guy on my college roster this year who would sit there and like, he would get it back and he was okay. I caught the ball and he'd start counting in his head and he'd get his sign. And all of a sudden, like if he wanted to hold a runner, he would come set and he would, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. And like, and he would hold other times he would get it rock and fire and just try to, 
you know, play the game that way. And the people were people were upset, like, you know, how oh, you're, you're, you know, you don't need to speed up the game. You don't need to speed up the game. But it's one, it keeps a good pace. It keeps a good clip. Two, it makes, you know, the the the, the post-pitch, pre-pitch routine of every hitter and every pitcher and everything got to be too much. It really, really did. And it's not a problem with the game because none of that has to do with the game. I don't need to see David Ortiz, and I know I've talked about him a lot today. I don't need to see Big Poppy go out there and after every single, like, doesn't even swing, takes a pitch, steps out, bat under his arm, Undoes both gloves, spits in his hands, rubs it together, redoes both gloves, grabs his bat, you know, get gets some pine tar back on his hands, you know, gets comfortable and then gets back in the box. And it's 10, 15, 20 seconds. You didn't even swing like you didn't even take the bat off your shoulder. Now you can't do that. And guess what? 20 seconds. Every single pitch adds up quick. It, it really, really does. If you cut, I mean, 15 seconds with nobody on that. That's a great clip that like, you don't need to be. You don't need to be worried about it. You don't need to be sitting there like, oh, my God, it's a drag, you know, and I'm I'm actually I will be very upset when they put a game limit on a game time limit, you know, at, at two hours and 45 minutes, uh, it, you know, it's dropped dead in the regular season or whatever they decide to do. Uh, I don't like the ghost runner stuff or the the last batted out on second base thing. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, if you're going to do that, just go to the old school Texas shootout from, you know, youth baseball tournaments where you start with the last three batted outs on base first, second and third. You know, basically you basically start bases loaded, full count, two outs. It's basically one pitch show and go strike three, ball four, bat at ball in play. And, and if it's ball four, the next dude comes up with a full count and the next dude and the next dude and the next dude. So you try to get out of it in one pitch, and those got out of hand quick. If you're going to just do, oh, last batted out on second base with one out, like just do that. Just do the old-school Texas shootout. I would love it. It would be awesome. Uh, but I don't like that stuff. It, you know, And you, you, what you wouldn't like is the, oh, we're going to take the pitch clock out, but we're going to put a game clock on where like, the game's got X amount of time to complete. Um you know, and then then you have those human rights. And I used to love these. And this was this was for me one of those one of those tournament things. Like pool play games had a two hour and fifteen minute drop dead time, and you had a lead. And you, well, you know what? We're in the bottom of the inning here. Uh, I don't think they're going to come back. It's close enough. Like we're not going to get the mercy. And um, I need to burn about ten to fifteen minutes here. I got a kid who, you know, he's that human rain delay. He's going to get out there. He's going to just take his damn sweet time. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes pass up. We can't start a new inning, inning over, and we win. And I, that's a big thing in softball. You know, it's a big one in softball, is to, you know, to, to, to play to the, uh, you know, play to the drop dead, the drop dead time limit and, and try to manipulate the clock and stuff like that. And you're seeing it in the gamesmanship side with the pitch clock with the players, but there's no way for managers to do that. There's no way for, like, it, it's, it's one of those fun, unwritten things for baseball right now, and I really enjoy it. I, I don't not like anything they've put in so far, and I I hope they don't keep pushing. But right now, I'm I'm good with where we're at. I'm good with the uh, you know with the rules that they brought in, and I'd like to see this sit for a few years and see the, the, the real effect that it has. Uh, I liked it in college this year coaching. I hopefully like it going forward the same way. It'll definitely be a lot easier once you uh, once enforcement is universal with clocks on the fields and stuff. But outside of that, um, 
I'm going to keep this quick. I'm going to I'm going to stop it there. That's going to be enough for 126. Hopefully, I get one of the one of the hosts or a guest host in back here soon. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Hats, stats, and stats part of the BICBP Radio Network. Check us out online, BICBP-radio.com. Like, follow, share, subscribe on social media at HTS underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, just Hats, stats, and stats podcast on Facebook. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcast from. Hats, stats, and stats is a championship caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York. And we will catch you guys next time. As always, go Bills. Oh, and hey, go Bandits. They're, uh, I believe they're starting a championship run soon here. So uh, go Bandits. Hopefully they pull it out unlike last year.